0: Well, as we shift gears, uh, we started a new series called Stories with Intent, and this is about parables, and parables were short, kind of meaningful stories that Jesus would often use to illustrate things about the kingdom of God, about discipleship, following him, about grace, and what we're going to talk about this morning is forgiveness. And I was doing some researching online about the topic of forgiveness, and you know how it is? Uh, And what I wanted was I wanted this like really, um, you know, short yet meaningful story about forgiveness that I I could tell as an introduction, you know, just kind of hook you in. And as I'm scrolling you know, through the, the, the Google list of, of stuff, there was one story that just unmistakably caught my eye. And so I'm, I, that's the first one I'm going to look at, right? And it was about the animal kingdom. Did you know that there are the animals, I mean, pretty much most animals have these kind of forgiveness responses that they kind of share, with, like when, when they're hurt or they're wronged. There's a, you think of your dog, right? You, you wake up, you put your feet on the floor, you accidentally step on your dog, he yips, and you, oh, I'm so sorry, and your dog wags their tail. I mean, it's just like you're forgiven. That is except for one animal. Cats. <laughs> Cats do not do this. They're very unforgiving, they hold grudges. I have three cats, so I know this full well. If you offend one of them, you know, it's, you're know you dead to me, at least for the rest of the day or the week or, or whatever. And so I was, I was sitting there wondering, I'm like, so am I more like a dog or like a cat? I'm not really sure. But I did decide that I would judge the rest of humanity. And I'm just gonna say, people are a lot like cats, aren't they? They're unforgiving. Um, we don't know how forgiving others is just hard to do. Amen, amen. And uh, I want to show you a picture. This is the the parable experience that Phil was talking about earlier, and it's just down the hall. And you can find these, Bruce, uh, in in my message. I'll put these up there. But down the hall, you'll see a sandwich board right before you cross the or before you pass the double doors, and inside there is a classroom that has the walls, uh, it has these different parables that are on the wall. And so you get to read the parable, there's some follow-up questions, uh, so there's some different activities that you can kind of interact with. Or you can just sit in the chair like Matt Randles is there and scroll through his phone while the rest, while the rest, well, the, <laughs> he was taking notes, he was taking notes. <laughs> no. <laughs> That was pretty good, you gotta admit. Um, this is our leadership team. We took we took uh, some time uh, before our meeting on Tuesday or during our meeting on Tuesday to just go through that and, and let it soak in. I mean, it, it, it's good. You can go through it all at once or you can just go through and, and hit a couple of them and then go back the next week, but this is open before church, after church or you can email us and check and see if somebody's in the building I and mean, you can come whenever whenever you like if someone's here. But really really recommend this to you. So, today's parable is the unmerciful pastor, right? The unmerciful servant is what the name of this is. And in this parable, there's there's important themes here of showing mercy and forgiveness but also a not-so-subtle warning about unforgiveness. And I promise that you're going to see how being forgiven changes you and how forgiving others potentially changes you and the other person, too. Do you see what I did there? That rhymes, doesn't it? I, I, I worked hard on this this week. I came up with one better. Here it is. Being forgiven changes you, and forgiving another changes too. So here we go. Here's the parable of the merciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, "Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me?" Up to seven times. Jesus answered, "I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times." Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow, right? I mean, that's, that's powerful. Jesus could have just said, you know, how many times do I need to forgive? Well, 77 times. There is no limit. End of story. We're done. Very clear, right? No, and Ted, he, instead he tells us this, this parable and drives the point home. I mean, how many times do you forgive? Seven times is kind of generous, you know? Like, at that point, you and I probably need counseling. We're just doormats, aren't we? But no, Jesus drops the hammer 77 times. There's no limit. And it kind of gets at a deeper question uh, that Jesus is kind of uh, hinting at here about Humanity. Why is forgiving someone so hard? Well, one reason is because they owe you, and you have a right to pay back. You know, my friends and I, used to play this really stupid game. I mean, we we did lots of stupid things when I was in middle and high school, let's be honest. Uh, But one of them involved getting someone to look at a certain hand gesture you were making during class or when you were standing in line or, or whatever. And you couldn't be like over, I mean, there were rules to this game. And by the way, even my son played this game in middle school, I never told him about it, okay? It's just something that junior high kids do. And so the game is like this, if they get you to look at this certain hand gesture, then they get to punch you in the arm as hard as they can. All right? And should you, as the, you know, offending person, run away or sometimes even flinch or like try and avoid this crushing, you know, punch, usually in your arm right here, um, then they got to do it three times. Yeah? Some of you have played this game. And, and no, one knows, no one knows why, it was just their right. And everyone knew it. So the parable Jesus just tells involves a debt that's meant to be paid back. It's a right everyone knows about. And even though Jesus is talking about money, you're very quick to realize that he means something more. You see, debt and indebtedness, um, was a very common metaphor for sin, or or a metaphor for how you wronged someone, or how they wronged you. I mean, there was a debt created. There's payback expect you owe them. And so, Jesus, um, you're very quick to realize this, and you, you think of the Lord's Prayer actually in the book of Matthew. It doesn't say, forgive me my sins. No, Jesus taught his disciples. And this is one of those like, well, which one did he really say? We, we don't know because there's two versions of this. Luke has it too. But in Matthew, he says, forgive, the Lord's Prayer, forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. So this is very common language of debt and indebtedness. Um, to, to talk about sin. And for the original here is the characters, the plot twists here of this parable, man, they would have resonated strongly. Jesus draws you into the story. I mean, here you have this guy. You just start to root for him, right? From the start. He, he, you kind of feel bad for him because he owes a lot, a lot of money. And this is the point where people like you and me, when we read these stories, we get sidetracked. And we start to think about, well, how much money is that? Uh, If you see other biblical translations, they say 10,000 talents. Well, how much is a talent? I don't know. This one, I like how they did it. They said 10,000 bags of gold because it's meant to sound like he owes this guy a zillion dollars, right? It's a lot of money. That's what this is about. So much money, he could probably never pay it back. And his whole family is going to get sold off to pay for debt, which is horrible. Horrifying. Horrifying. But it's natural to expect this debt to be paid back. The guy borrowed the money. He accepted the terms. Here you go. But he begs for mercy. And the shocker upon shockers is that the king grants it. What? Who would forgive a zillion dollars? That's incredible. And the king doesn't just give him more time to pay it back. He cancels it altogether. Wow. Well, then, as the story continues on, this guy who's just been forgiven, so much money, immediately leaves and runs into a man who owes him a trifling amount compared to the sum he was just forgiven. What would you do? I know all of us here would answer the same way. We would forgive that debt, wouldn't we? Because we're such generous and magnanimous people. But this guy doesn't. He actually has him thrown in prison until it's all paid back. Wow. So even though the world has changed a lot since Jesus walked the earth, you still feel the injustice of it it all, don't you? Even though you may have been rooting from him at the beginning, man, now you want this slug to get what's coming to him, right? Like, he's been shown unbelievable mercy, unfathomable forgiveness. And yet, he can't forgive this little debt for another person. So all of this story, when you read the the brilliance of Jesus is how timeless, how effective this parable still is. What's it about? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 35, it's about God's mercy. God's mercy and forgiveness and how those who've experienced that mercy and forgiveness... Ought to extend it to others. That's what it's about. There's no if. There's no but. There's no holding back. I mean, that's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of convicting when you read parables like this. And I mean, Jesus sums it up right in the end. I mean, there's kind of a. uh, It's it's not a subtle warning at all. I mean, there's threat of judgment there. Like this is how God's prior act of mercy, and you're meant to do this. And I I was I was wondering this week, I'm like, huh, that finally explains it, doesn't it? There really are only dogs in heaven. You see? There's no cats in heaven. Because you have to be able to forgive, right? That's what Jesus is telling us here. You forgive as you've been forgiven. And Peter's question is a good one. You know, how many times do I forgive? Up to seven times? That sounds kind of generous. But our Heavenly Father expects us to forgive not just once, twice, or three times. He expects us to forgive limitless times. Why is forgiving someone so hard? Well, one reason is because we're trying to get over this thing that there was a debt incurred against me, and they owe me. But another reason... Uh, I don't know if it's just like it, but it's just another reason. Another reason for giving someone so hard is self-protection. What's the saying? Hurt me once, shame on me. Or shame on you, hurt me twice, shame on me. I mean, when we've been hurt, it's just normal to put up a, a, a wall or a barrier so that that person doesn't hurt me again. But according to Jesus, if I read this right here, there's no limit on forgiveness. We just really don't want to think about that, do we? But there's an important reason why Jesus says this. It has to do with the context here of what happens immediately before Peter asks this question. And um, for one, it's kind of normal to expect payback, but the other, the other reason, you know, whether it's people in the first century or 21st century, this is hard to do. What I'm trying to get to here is the context of this is a counterbalance. The context of this is that immediately before Peter asks this question, Jesus is talking about um, sin within the family of God. And he says, in Matthew 18:15, he says this. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, and if they listen to you, you have won them over. If you were ever going to get a tattoo on your, your body somewhere, it would be this one, right? No. I mean, he's joking, right? How very unpacific Northwest of Jesus to be so direct that if your brother or sister is entangled in some sin that you would go to them directly and tell it to their face and try and win them over this is this is ludicrous right no jesus is pointing out within god's family you know where the where heaven has broken into earth within the kingdom this is how we're going to operate we're actually going to go to people and talk to them directly when we've been hurt we're going to talk. We're going to have a conversation. Who knows what will happen there? Maybe they really were at fault or maybe there's some other thing that comes to light and we realize, oh. And so Jesus has this, this uh, churches have adopted it. They call it the Matthew 18, like this is how we're going to approach conflict. We're going to talk to that person directly. Then if things don't go so well, we're going to, Jesus says, take another person with you or two people and go talk to them. And if that doesn't work out, then you bring it in front of the whole church. What? Really? You bring it up in front of the whole church? And if this person is just like, no, I did not sin, I'm not changing my way, well then you don't associate with them. I mean, again, you read this, you're like, wow, this is hard stuff, Jesus. And immediately after he says that, I mean, that's the kind of you're dead to me thing. Peter goes, well, how many times should we forgive? And Peter thinks he's being generous right here. Rabbis at the time would have said, you know, three times is really kind of the max. So Peter more than doubles it. He more than doubles it. And Jesus is like, that's not enough. Because this parable, this teaching here, is a counterweight to, hey, The first part of this is about the person who's entangled in sin. And we care about them. We we don't want them to get stuck in sin. So we're going to come alongside them as a community, as people, and help them. And the second part of this is, the parable of the unmerciful servant, is, is for the people who've been sinned against. This is about, if you've been hurt, if you've been hurt by someone else, here's how your reaction should be framed. Not seven times, but 77 times. You forgive as you've been forgiven. So immediately, um, at least my mind, your mind uh, too, goes to really, really difficult situations, right? I mean, the first thing that will come to mind are geopolitical things, like Israel and Gaza. We'll go, oh, well, how would this work in that setting? I don't know. Or, or we think about the ultimate, like, interpersonal, um, you know, conflict that you could have. Uh, imme- immediately you think of, like, well, what about in a marriage where one spouse has an affair? Like, how could you ever forgive? I, I don't I don't I mean, it's, this is really hard stuff. And is Jesus saying that I just keep... For- what about people who have experienced horrific patterns of abuse? Are they just keep supposed to forgiving... Over and over and over again, Jesus, is this what you mean? And I think there's a very important distinction here between forgiveness and trust. And often we lose sight of this. Like, yes, you can forgive someone who's, who's and, and sometimes you can forgive them and not associate with them again. Because if you've been wounded and hurt in the most horrific ways, right, that affects your relationship with that person. And so Jesus isn't saying just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it never happened. No, he's talking about you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. So forgiveness is one thing, but then you have the whole relational issue. It might take a really, 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 really long time for you to build up trust or for trust to be established in that friendship or that relationship once again. It may never be the same. That's why Christian theology, I mean, there's, there's a difference between forgiveness and what we would say reconciliation, right? So you can forgive, and then you can pray and hope for reconciliation. And, and the, the, the worst of this is like, for example, within, as I see as a pastor, thankfully not often, but when, when you have a marriage that's been broken, and there's been forgiveness extended... Sometimes there's a there's an impatience for things to get back to the way they used to be. And you just go that's going to take a really really long time. You have to be patient. You might have to wait. There's going to be a lot of prayer in there. That doesn't necessarily mean that this other person is still holding the grudge. Maybe, but not necessarily. So there's a huge difference. How many times? I don't know there's no number it's about your response towards the other person that's what jesus is saying here but there's a difference between that forgiveness and the amount of trust or you know sometimes relationships will never be the same unfortunately because of what happened so often we want to raise ahead to like graduate level forgiveness but let's come back to where it's most common for you and me these are the everyday things You forgot to take out the trash again. Uh, Your dog is pooping in my yard again. Um, You told a rumor about me? Why? I mean, these are things that happen to all of us day in, day out. And so the first part, as I mentioned, is Jesus talking about the spiritual well-being of this person caught in sin. The second part is directed at us. Jesus says seven times isn't enough. Not enough for disciples of Jesus, for people who've experienced mercy and forgiveness in God's can, kingdom, because being forgiven changes you. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being forgiven. I really hope you have. Um, several experiences come to my, in my mind immediately come to mind, and a couple of them are from my youth. One of those I'm going to tell you about. Um, when I was really, really little, I was probably four, maybe five. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe I was three. But I have this very strong memory of uh, I was best friend. My best friend, I lived on a farm, so there wasn't a lot of people. My best friend lived across the road from us like a half a mile away. And we were the same age. Her name was Jennifer. And so we were having a play date. My, you know, our moms were hanging out and we were playing. And I I don't know why. Okay, this is maybe, maybe we were poor. Maybe it was the farm. There's just not a lot of things to do. We were playing catch with rocks. Okay, there it is. You can see the foreshadowing. I decided to show Jennifer my, you know, really big, strong muscles. And I threw, I threw a fastball with one of those rocks and she didn't catch it. Okay, well, I mean, technically she did catch it. She caught it with her face, all right? And, and I mean, immediately there was blood. Um, there, there, there were tears and shrieks of pain, you know? And I horrifically, you know, I, I, I look at this and you're like, what have I done, right? And I look over and both of our moms watched it happen. So, I, you know, now I'm crying, right? And what I remember is my mom makes me go and say, I'm sorry, and ask Jennifer for forgiveness. And here's the the memory that I have. I remember her shaking her head, yes. And that made a lasting impression on me. Why? Because being forgiven is powerful. We were still friends. I think she came over the next day and we played again. And, you know, I was so little, I had no idea um, how that might affect our relationship moving forward. But isn't that how life is, right? You injure someone, and then you realize all the potential ramifications and collateral damage and, you know, of what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, this, this is why it's sinning against others. It's sinning against God. I mean, there are hurtful things that we can do to others. There are, you know, when we we have these confessions, um, you know, we pray, you know, God, forgive me for the things I've done and the things I've left undone. I mean, this this is very broad and full and complex. But the point I'm trying to make is when you own what you've done, And there's this sincerity, I'm sorry. And you express that. You you say, forgive me. And the other person shakes their head, yes. There is something deep and moving about that. Being forgiven uh, is powerful. But when we say our sorry and we ask forgiveness, that's when we start to hold our breath, don't we? Because we actually don't have the power to grant our own forgiveness. We're able to forgive others the injuries and debts incurred against us, um, but we're, we're not able to make them forgive us. And so when they do, that's a really moving time. It's the healing of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God's mercy at work in us and the other person. And so maybe that's why Jesus placed such a high priority on forgiveness. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And immediately following the Lord's Prayer, do you know what he says? He says this Matthew 6, 14. For you will forgive other people when they sin against you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is serious. Do unto others as God has done unto you. How powerful. How impactful this must have been for the disciples once Jesus dies on the cross and models ultimate forgiveness for all of us. Why is forgiving someone so hard? I don't know. Maybe it's because we're hard-hearted and we like to hang on to those things and remember them. Maybe it's because we just simply don't know how. And so I want to spend just a minute here in our closing time together to talk about how we forgive. And uh, I've listened to lots of podcasts. I've read books. um, You know, I don't think there's any, like, 12-step program here that works perfectly every time. But there are things when you revisit this theme or when you hear about others who've forgiven that you're like, oh, I should do that. Or when you look at your own, experiences with forgiveness. Uh, the first one is this. You have to name it. If you've been hurt and you have all of the anger or the secondary emotions that are coming from something, that the, the first thing you have to do is actually name, why Why is that there? What happened? And you, ha- you have to spend the time to revisit, oh, I felt embarrassed by that comment, or oh, I was I'm really disappointed that by them, or I'm worried about this, or they lied to me. Whatever it is, the first step in forgiving, it's hard to forgive just a blah or to heal from that. You actually have to name it. Another thing that's really important in how you forgive others, you have to stop keeping score. Sounds, well, I don't know if that sounds simple, but when you register every offense or every time they forgot or whatever, you know. If you just start keeping score, it's gonna, I mean, this is Peter's question. If you're counting, that means you're not forgiving, right? This is a really important one in our like family relationships because it's those little annoyances that come up all the time, you just start keeping score. Don't do that, stop keeping score. Next thing, Uh, once you start, stop keeping score, you have to figure out how to cancel the account. I mean, this is the thing, how do, you, how do you cancel the debt? And there's this one-to-one relationship that the whole world revolves around. Oh, they hurt me, I hurt them. Simple, right? Or they hurt me, I will, I will hurt them one better. And it just keeps escalating and escalating and going and going. That's no way to live. Uh, you, you have to stop and ask God, help me. Help me to cancel the account. Help me to voluntarily let go of the hurt that I'm just storing up inside me. And that's why naming it is so important. You're like, I have this. I was lied to, and I am keep replaying that. I'm going to cancel that account. Next thing. Unhitch the wagon. So we got stop keeping store. Name it, stop keeping store, cancel the debt, unhitch the wagon. Um, a while ago, this, this Unhitch the Wagon comes from a counselor of mine as I was talking to him about a really bad employment situation I had once. And I had festered, I'd harbored bitterness over this betrayal that I had experienced for a long time. And every time I would think about it, I would realize I was thinking about it for the next like 10 minutes. I'm sure you've never had anything like this happen, Right? Well, that's usually, if, if, if that happens, if, if thinking of this person or the situation and it just like takes, that's like, oh, I have some work to do on forgiving that person. And unhitch the wagon means you've actually reached the point where um, you've, you've forgiven them because, and here's, so I always think of it, it's like I'm carrying this baggage around in this wagon from this bad thing that happened to me in the past. So I'm gonna unhitch the wagon. Okay, farming out, I'm gonna pull a pin on the wagon and I'm gonna leave it behind me here. And my counselor helped me understand, no, that's not the way it is, Dan. You're in the wagon. And every time you think about this person or their situation, all those emotions are just pulling you around wherever you want them to go. So we're working at unhitching the wagon and separating, and. And the only way we're gonna do that is to forgive. This might take a really, really long time. There's a part in the Bible that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's a really, really great principle. But what if it wasn't just a 24-hour period? What if not letting the sun go down was like, oh, when something really, really deeply hurts me, instead of just giving up and like trying to leave that thing dead and buried, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep working at forgiving. I'm going to play the long game here as long as it takes. Um, Whenever that comes up again and I realize it's jerking me around, I'm going to say, I'm going to pray for that person. Praying for the... You won't be able to do that at first. If you've been hurt really bad, that person's dead to you. But eventually, as you work at this, Lord, help me to forgive. When you think of, of that person or that situation, and you can... You just pray, God... Help me to forgive. That's all you have to do. Help me to forgive. And let that become the mental pattern instead of all the other stuff. It's powerful stuff. And so I'll say it again. Um, Why does God care about forgiveness? Because being forgiven changes you and forgiving another changes too. Our world Needs this. You need this. What if we became a community of people who'd been forgiven and was therefore a forgiving community? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. This is God's plan, God's will for you and me and the body of Christ. Being forgiven changes you. and Forgiving another changes too. Please join me in prayer. Amen. Lord, um, give us strength. Man, the world thinks that forgiving someone else is a sign of weakness. That couldn't be any further from the truth or a lie from the pit of hell. It takes a lot of strength to forgive, and it doesn't have to be our strength, it's yours. So wherever we are this morning, when we find ourselves, we hear this message, and however it hits us, maybe there's something from the past that the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, you should look at that. Give us courage and strength to look at it, to forgive. Lord, uh, some of us will be reminded of things that we probably need to say sorry for. Help us to do that without making excuses, to ask forgiveness, to own it. And whatever happens next is out of our control. Lord, we also know that maybe we were really hurt and we've been waiting around for the other side to say they're sorry and to finally own all of the many ways that they've hurt us. Well, guess what? That's also not in our control, is it, God? But what is in our control is that we can choose to forgive even without the apology. As crazy as that sounds, Lord, we can forgive. Help us to name it, to stop keeping score, to unhitch the wagon, to play the long game, Lord, to pray for that other person. Maybe we'll even start to see things from their perspective. I don't know, Lord. We want this miracle of forgiveness in our hearts, yes, but we want to extend it to others too. Help us to do that, Lord. We pray this in your name.